the skeptics or the right brains members of society who are saying, you know, I, I don't believe in listening to my intuition. I don't believe in that are now starting to tune in and listen because I think it's now being put in a language that people can more readily understand. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's got to be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right. Welcome to the show. Now, before we jump in, I want to make a big announcement. So obviously we have the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all that stuff happening. And Guy and I have created something, a way to give back to you, our loyal listeners. So you may have heard that we started something called The Collective. What you may have not heard is that right now, not only can you get in for a 14-day free trial to experiment it and see if it works for you, we've also lowered the price from $99 a month to just nine. That's right. You didn't hear this wrong. From $99 to nine. And if you do it now, you can get grandfathered in at that $9 price point today. Again, all you have to do is go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective satoriprime.com forward slash collective, and you can grandfather yourself in to the collective for just $9. Our way to give back during this holiday season. So if you're out there wanting to make significant changes in your life, wanting to get more peace, more fulfillment, more love in every area of your life, make sure you go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now. I do not know how long we're going to keep this up. So now would be the time to act. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. I have just been having a blast talking to our next guest on the pre-interview, and now we turn the beginning of this into a pre-interview, and we figure we should absolutely turn the record button on this thing. So uh, first, let me just uh, welcome Amina Altai to the show. Hello. Thank you so much, Elon. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, it's it's just so funny. Every time we've connected and every time we've been together, it's just been this like bounce back energy back and forth. And um, I have a feeling we're in store for from some really, really fun magic here today. So uh, I'm going to, before we jump into all that, why don't you let people know what you're up to, what you're passionate about in the world? Ooh, such a big and juicy question to start. I love it. <laughs> 
Yes, and people are in store for a lot of banter because it's been so fun already. So I'm Amina Altai and I'm a healthy business advisor and I help people feel really good in their work, whether it's in the context of their own business or within a larger organization. And my approach is a mind, body, and business approach. So looking at all three aspects, right? And I really came to this teaching and this work because I believe that healthy leaders, healthy founders, and healthy businesses are intrinsically tied. There's no way that we can have one without the other. And I essentially arrived at this teaching and created this curriculum because in my 20s, I started my own business. It was a marketing agency and I had a major crash and burn. So I was servicing all these clients. I was taking care of all these amazing employees, but I wasn't taking care of myself and I couldn't show up fully for my work. And long story long, I ended up developing two autoimmune diseases and that was sort of the wall I needed to hit in order to pause and reevaluate my relationship with everything. Um, and then craft this offering that I feel so lucky to be able to teach both in one-on-one and at the corporate level. Um, and what's really fun and interesting for me, the reason that I do this work, and it's a little lofty, if you'll indulge me for a second. Yeah, love lofty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> so the reason that I do this work is I believe that when we return to ourselves, when we're authentic, and when we nourish ourselves in the right way, so we're filling up on all the right things, whether it's relationships or food, our connection to purpose, we can be clear. All those things are conduits to clarity, right? Like so many people are like, oh, I want to eat well and I want to go to the gym. And my question is always why, right? Because to me, it's a means to an end. It's a means to clarity. And when we're clear, we can fully see ourselves. We can own all of our shadow, all of our light, all of our gifts. And only in that moment can we actually see and accept others the same way, fully embrace people. So for me, it's really this conversation of equality, right? Because when I embrace and love all of me, I can embrace and love all of you. And imagine what sort of world we'd live in if we all felt that way. Mm, Absolutely. You guys see why we get along so well? It's like our words coming out of her mouth and and so on and so forth. It's going to be just a super, super fun thing. So before we get into all that... um, Something just came through to ask you, and as a person who I know is dedicated to her own personal growth, and um, you know, it first starts with you and then to everybody else. I'm really curious. We ended a year, we started a new year. I think this is the time where a lot of people do a lot of soul searching, a lot of reflecting, and I'd love to find out from you because I'm sure you did too. Like, what did you? takeaway from 2018, what would you say was just a huge monumental lesson that you learned that you're really springboarding and taking into uh, 2019? Ooh, I love that. I love it. That so much. Um, so we talked about this in our pre-interview call, but I obviously wholeheartedly believe in the coaching model as do you. So I work with a coach and she has an exercise that she calls taking stock. And in that exercise, she asks us to, you know, look at where we've been in the, the previous year and to like really celebrate what it is we need to celebrate in ourselves and then release what it is we need to release. And so my celebration list was amazing. It was like so long and I'm celebrating all these people and I was just so excited Last year was such a turning point in who I was calling in, both in terms of partners, in terms of coaching clients, in terms of corporate clients, just like the most beautiful, exciting, juicy, integrous, kind human beings. And I was so grateful for that. And one of the things that I wanted to leave behind 
was anxiety and freneticism, the idea that I constantly need to be in motion to evolve. Because I've had the biggest breakthroughs in my life when I have just stood still. And I needed to remind myself of that and really put my stake in the ground for that because otherwise I'd be going a million miles a minute. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that. I've had off the top of my head, I think three coaching calls in the last week where we've spoke about this one thing. And it's really interesting that especially, I, we, I don't say exclusively coach entrepreneurs, but I feel like the people that find us are, are most of them are entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs have this thing with progress. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I call it like the, the inner performer. And that performer which was created when we were very, very young to get, you know, love, acceptance, belonging, et cetera, is what's been driving us for so many years. And there's this feeling like if I'm not progressing, it's not, it's not like, oh, that sucks. To an entrepreneur, if you're not progressing, it almost feels like death. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm not progressing. It feels like I'm going backwards and I'm dying, shriveling up and contracting and all that stuff. And it's, um, I've, I've also gone through something very, very similar. I don't know if I shared this with you previously, but uh, my coach, when, when this came up, asked me if you were laid up in bed for three weeks and you couldn't do anything, like you couldn't work on your business, you couldn't do anything, what would that be like? And I remember the second he said it, I felt so much stress and so much anxiety. Like my entire body just went like, no. Nah. <laughs> So I'm curious, what, what's been your experience? What, what have you uncovered around this whole, you know, progressing and having to run and do things all the time? Everything that you just said was so resonant. So about the inner performer, because I pretty much spent, you know, three decades in a performance piece, giving the world what I thought they wanted to see so that I could be accepted, be loved, et cetera. And a similar breakthrough happened when my coach and the coach that I was working for with before, the coach that I'm currently with, she asked me if I was the last person on earth or I was in like a totally new planet and I'm the only person there, like, you know, what would my experience be? And she's like, there's literally nothing there. So I'm like, there's nothing there. There's nothing to do. There's no people to work off of. And it was an existential crisis. Like I literally heard like a, the universe shatter because I was like, well, if I'm not doing and there's nobody to reflect back what I've done, like, do I exist? And she was dying laughing. I was like, what would you do? I know this is cheating, but like, what would you do? And she's like, well, like I'm a creator. I would create something. And I was just like, oh. And so funny, and it really sent me down that path. And I realized that I had learned in my family system that, you know, to be loved, to be accepted, I was the doer. You know, you needed something done, go to Amina. Like, Amina's got strong shoulders, she can lift and carry in every sense the metaphorical sense, the physical sense. And, you know, I just carried that thinking with me. And that was exactly the thought that made me hit that wall in my first business and led me to the autoimmunity because I was so concerned with doing and providing for others versus coming to myself, returning to self and being authentic and creating in a way that was really true to to me and my calling. Um, And literally my body couldn't do it anymore. And it was, it took a long time to really peel back the onion and it was layer by layer. It was first this body approach, right? Like, let me look at the lens of body and look through wellness in these practices to get clear. And then it was really peeling back the onions on mindset. Well, you know, what is my, what are my core limiting beliefs? What you know, what's the talk track that's in my head day to day and how do I evolve that? And now really coming to more of a spiritual practice about it all. So here's what I want to (laughs) know. For me, that 
that aspect kicked up a lot of stuff, right? And I know that for others, you tapped on it like you went back, you saw where the program started, all that kind of stuff. Have you noticed that results that way of like the doer coming from that place versus, because that's kind of like where the world lives, right? Everyone lives in this, I have to perform, I'm going to show everybody, blah, 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 prove people wrong, whatever. Have you noticed for yourself that the results going that way versus slowing down, grounding, getting into your alignment, following your inspired action, like that seems to the mind, like you're moving in slow motion, which have you seen actually in reality produce better results for yourself? And I'm talking like quantifiable results. I'm not talking like the, oh, I just feel good right now. I'm talking like real world quantifiable, running around the doer, 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 like doing a million things an hour or Mm -hmm. actually slowing down, maybe taking a day off, stopping in the middle of the day to meditate, like taking care of self so you can give to others. Like which have you seen actually produce better results? So obviously I have a business background and I came from the school of thought, like it has to be grounded in ROI revenue for me to really believe that this is true. And that's who I needed to be to get to the place that I'm at now. And I think one of the biggest, most aha moments for me was two years ago in June where I realized, okay, I need to be less of this human doing and more of this human being. And I, I took myself on a little retreat vacation. And that same month was actually my biggest month of in business ever because I was clear, I was channeling, I was concise. Instead of being in that state of freneticism of let me try these million things and see what sticks, I was really honing and being purposeful and doing everything with intention. And it was really a profound pivot for my business. And I even thought about this in my workouts too. And I tested this. So I'm like, okay, you know, I used to be of the school of, I used to do doubles. I would do two workouts a day and be really specific and I would measure my food and like through this very like highly, really tightly held grasp and lens. And then I started to say, okay, let me do this with a little bit more ease and grace, a little bit more intention. And it was really interesting because the percentage body fat changed, the uh, percentage of water weight changed, my inflammation markers changed, all with doing things with just a little bit more intention and less freneticism. It was, it was profound. It was yeah. literally a body and business pivot. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the part that I think for the performer, the doer inside of all of us is the hardest thing to understand because we've been programmed for so long. You you look out there and all these people, this whole like hustle and grind nonsense that everyone's touting. It's like, and, and and you see, okay, yeah, I, I'm not arguing that that works. And the reason people stick to it is because Look, you and I have still, even with all that before, created awesome results. Awesome. And it's really difficult. I think people look at places that life isn't working mm-hmm. to go to work on. It is much more, in my experience, profound to look at the things that are working and still bring curiosity and open-mindedness and question those. Because those are the things that from a very young age, you know, like you did X and you got results. Mm-hmm. And so we were programmed like, okay, when I do this, I produce results. But then that never leaves you open-minded and questioning like, well, is that necessarily the best way to get results? And the fact that we've been open enough, I guess, to just explore that and then see that with ease and grace and flow and slowing down, there is an opportunity to actually create better results is just, it's profound. 
Absolutely. I love everything that you just said. It's so resonant. And, you know, even in my first business, when I had that marketing agency, for all intents and purposes on paper, we were doing really well, right? But it was like this pushing, it was this extremeness. And I was literally squeezing everything out of my my human body to be able to do it. And I thought, you know, this can't be right. There's got to be a better way. And it doesn't have to be hard. That's like my biggest, you know, awakening. Cause I always thought, you know, you want something that nobody's had, you have to do something that nobody's done. You have to push yourself and push. Uh-oh. You don't have to push. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, one, one of my mentors said this great line, which like really I'll say it and it kind of like stops your brain, but it's like, she said, you have to stop to make money. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean stop to make money? And, and as I sat with it, I realized like, if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off about this shiny object and I should do more of this and I should do that and you're like doing all that. Money is like trying to find you, but you're never in the place that you were just a second ago. Like you actually have to stop every once in a while and just go like, I'm ready to receive, you know, and just like be in that moment. And um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that becomes very, very difficult, especially because of all of the, messaging, like the, the, you know, the hustle and grind and all of this stuff. Um, when you're working with your clients, obviously you work with uh, entrepreneurs and you even work on the corporate scale. Mm-hmm. How are you able to bring that into the conversation where they're all like, we got to do more? <laughs> totally, totally. And you know, it's, it's a lot of reframing, right? We live in this society where a lot of people wear like lack of sleep as a badge of honor, you know, working mm-hmm. a 70 hour week as a badge of honor, having to skip meals as a badge of honor. Like I remember being in the elevator at WeWork and these two women were having a conversation. She's like, oh my God, yeah, I haven't eaten since last night. And like, I don't know when my next meal will be. And the other one's like, well, I only slept three hours. And it was like this competition. And I was like, wow, wow. But especially like in the corporate realm, you need examples that are grounded in reality, right? So I can show up shiny and, and say like, I'm living my best life and things are feeling really great. But, you know, they need numbers. They need proof. They need, you know, real world examples. So showing them analogs of other people's evolution that they may admire, other people's evolution or other businesses' evolutions that are similar to theirs, where people stop for a moment, put, put a stake in the ground and mm-hmm. said, you know, we're going to be more... Um, purposeful about how we work, you know, pulling analogs of um, work cultures that work four hours a day and are more productive. Or, you know, when they pivoted from a four-day week, from a five-day week to a four-day week, you know, they saw profit margins increase. So having, you know, examples like that, I think is always really helpful. And it's also really important to have buy-in from the top down and from the inside out right? Leaders and leadership, they exist for a reason. They get us to rally around causes they deeply believe to be true. And it's so important to work with leaders that believe in this work, that are doing this work themselves, because then it's much easier to have the ripple effect in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So when you start working with a client um, about, you know, and I love that you it's like most, most people here, mind, body, soul, and you went mind, body, business, when you start working with people, A, why are they coming to you to do the work, right? Like where are they in their life where they're experiencing pain or wanting a breakthrough in? What's what's that thing that you've noticed? Yeah, that's such a great question. 
for a lot of my clients, it's this moment of transition. So they've started to, you know, hear the message. They know that work isn't feeling right. They're feeling this impact in other areas of their life because they're not feeling really connected to their purpose. So maybe they start to give themselves food and wine hugs after work, or maybe they're taking. <laughs> on I've never heard that food and wine hugs. I like that a lot. <laughs> One of my clients actually used that, and I was like, "That is good. I'm going to borrow that." That's good. <laughs> So giving themselves daily food and wine hugs, especially the wine, they're they're feeling a pain point in one particular area of their life. And there's often this dissonance between what they're doing now, who they are now, and what they feel called to do. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it's this really profound, deep depression. And a traditional business coach will look at the business or a traditional career coach will look at, you know, what's happening in the workplace and are you aligned with your role sort and the organization. But there's so much more to it. And we need to dig into the human and pull back the layers and understand the spiritual piece too. Yeah. We work with similar people and and I'm, this just kind of came through. Like, I wonder if we're in this state because I'm noticing that more and more people are having these kind of conversations. Whereas before I'm talking like, you know, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. people would have just kind of like, they would have just bared down and just, gone through it. And I think now around that age of 40, mm-hmm. people are having this, it's not even a midlife crisis. It's like a soul crisis. Like their soul is screaming out and going like, I can't fucking do this for another 25 years. Like this is not, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the ideology kind of wears out the day to day kind of sinks in. And then, but do you feel like it's just popping off more and more. Is it just a, as a human race, we're just evolving and waking up to that. There's got to be something more like, is it in the conversations? What's, what's your take on why this is happening so often? That's such a deep and profound question. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a few things, I think some of it is core beliefs evolving. And I think some of it is the evolution of the collective conscious, right? So I think for a lot of people and the generation prior to us, our parents, um, for a lot of people, the talk track was, we're lucky to have a job, like stay in that job. You hold on to the job. It was this like fear and scarcity mindset. And so the idea of having multiple careers, or as I like to say, like even majors and minors in careers, cause I've had so many careers with so many majors and minors yep. <laughs> so that was unheard of because you were lucky to have that job. You stayed in that job and you were loyal. And it was this exchange of work for paycheck. I think the collective conscious is really evolving. And so this generation that is coming up really feels called to do soul work, right? So, you know, we'll see millennials, for example, staying at jobs for two years at a time because, you know, there's this there's this itch, there's this inkling that this doesn't speak to who they're called to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happening more and more. And I think it's contagious. And I think it's the only way we can really evolve the human race and evolve society and evolve, you know, some of the precarious moments that we're in. Yeah. And, and I'm also, I think this whole idea of gifts, you know, like people realizing that they do have a gift and that gift can be realized in a lifetime uh, with, with you know, a little bit of honing in and, and polishing and things like that. And I think when people wake up to that they have a certain gift and they realize how far out of alignment their current work environment is to be with that gift, um, a lot of them are choosing in to to honor that. And I do believe that today as a solopreneur, it's, 
the easiest it has ever been to create any sort of business or any sort of, uh, I wouldn't even call it business, any way that to get money from your gift, whatever that gift is, easier than ever, just because of the advent of the internet and marketing and, and social media and things like that. So um, yeah, my, my every time I talk to someone, I'm like, look, even if you don't leave that job, because I'm not a big proponent of people leaving jobs and um, I just think it makes things a lot harder when money gets put on the table as well. But like mm-hmm. to do something on the side for mm-hmm. two, three, four hours a day, you know, something that you're passionate about, that you love, even if you kind of hate that job or that job is really taken away from you, knowing that you can come home and and work on something that you're really passionate about and, and give back in some sort of way really helps people. Like it really livens them up as they go through that process. I love that you said that. And I think you and I are so on the same page with so many things. And I advocate for the same thing too, because a lot of the times, yes, you're absolutely right. This The money conversation makes sort of contribute to that freneticism, right? So if you leave your job and you're not having money coming in, you're panicked and then, you know, you might not make the best decisions for your growing business. And the other piece of that too is we often don't evolve the traits that are making the current work situation uncomfortable, whether it's misaligned with our gifts or there's something else happening. And so a lot of the times we see people wanting to jump from the frying pan into the fire, but there's real soul work to do in that current job before they can really step into the full articulation of their gifts and their solopreneur or entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. (laughs) My mom just comes to mind and I know she'll listen to this, so she may find this funny or not funny, but, uh, she was really struggling at, at a previous job and just wanted out like this new manager came in and, and they were just really butting heads and she's done a lot of work and we had a lot of conversations about this is a growth opportunity and she's a mirror for you and all this stuff. And it just got to the point where she's like, I need out. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. can't do this. It was starting to affect her well-being, et cetera. And so she left, moved to a different state, got a job in a different state. And wouldn't you know it, ended up with the same kind of manager. And where I was like, <laughs> you know, it, and it's, it's the, the running away tactic that people have. They're like, I'm, oh, I'm just going to change job. Or, oh, I'm going to just move state or country or whatever it might be that lasts for a month, maybe two, but ultimately like that showed up in your space because through you, there's some sort of lesson that you're clearly, your soul is clearly wanting to learn and you running away from it doesn't bypass the fact that you still get to learn that lesson. So whether it's going to be now or in a year, or in five years, you're going to do that. And for me, it's always like, do you have eyes to walk around the world and catch the lessons when they're this small? You know, when it's like a cute little furry kitten that's coming to you, like, you should really pay attention, you know? But most people don't have those eyes. So they they only get the lesson when, you know, a lion's coming out of the trees to maul you in the neck. But look, I mean, you you got sick with not one, but two autoimmune diseases. It's like that, that was the line, but there were, I'm sure when you looked back, which is easier, you probably saw tons of clues along the way where you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing there. Like some, some other messages, right? 
so many whispers before I got the screams, so many whispers. And I was just not interested to hear. And I think sometimes we do have to take that big hit for it to be resonant for us. Um, There was one thing that I wanted to say when you were asking about, you know, is the world changing? And I, I do think that there's this moment of sort of, for lack of a better term, normalizing spirituality. I think that there was a moment where it was perceived as, you know, hippy-dippy, woo-woo, not grounded in science, mysticism. And you have people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is a medical doctor, who is basically, you know, you know, correlating meditation, some, you know, intuition and psychic abilities with neuroscience. And so, you know, the skeptics or the right brains members of society who are saying, you know, I I don't believe in listening to my intuition. I don't believe in that are now starting to tune in and listen because I think it's now being put in a language that people can more readily understand. Hi there, my friend. I just want to take a minute in case you skip the intro to these shows for some reason and let you know that for a very, and I mean truly very limited time, as in this could be gone by next week, Guy and I are offering entrance into our collective for instead of $99 a month for just Nine. That's right. You can get yourself grandfathered in for just $9 a month for life now, as long as you head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective. And if you're thinking, I don't know, is this for me? Then I got two things to say about that. First, if you even like this podcast a little bit, you'll absolutely love the collective. We share things in there that we share with our personal clients who pay us tens of thousands of dollars and you can get them for nine bucks. And the second thing is we're actually offering you a 14-day free trial so you can just come and check it out for yourself for free. You have nothing to lose. So again, go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and make sure you lock this thing in before we realize that we've gone crazy and change our minds. (laughs) We look forward to seeing you in our collective. Now back to the show. Definitely Dr. Joe Dispenza, I would throw in that mix. Uh, Stephen Cutler, who's doing some really cool cutting-edge stuff, he's got an awesome book, if you guys haven't heard about it, called Stealing Fire, where they basically talk about ecstasis, which is uh, a state that Navy SEALs use, Google execs, top CEOs, all this stuff, using different things like plant medicine work and and these really, really out there things that before people thought, oh, this is a drug and this is like all the you know people that are living on the street with needles are doing now like the top, top minds in the world that are leading what's happening in the world are, are uh, partaking in these events. He even brings in Burning Man. I think the, the funny story from there was how the two Google execs were looking for I think they're trying to hire a CEO and they got like 60 something applications from like the top, 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 top people in the world. And they ended up going with the guy that they knew has been to Burning Man over the last few years. And they basically like invited him to their camp and like spent the week with them. And, and uh, so it was just really funny, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I think even things like when I started personal development, which was 19, no, I'm sorry. It was 2003. Um, I remember like even yoga was one of these things that like, oh, you do yoga? Right. It was so fringe. Yeah. And now like if you don't do yoga, you're like a weirdo. 
Totally. If you're not doing yoga, if you're not part of the yogic lifestyle or leveraging yogic philosophy, like you are an anomaly. I agree. <laughs> and meditation even. Every, you know, I helped launch a meditation company a few years ago and it was really before this meditation was really in this groundswell. And, you know, we were talking to investors and getting all this feedback, like, is the world ready? It st- still seems like it's very Eastern and mystic. And now everybody meditates. Yeah. Yeah. From, from every, I mean, you're talking like athletes are talking about it. You have all these amazing apps that are making a ton of money because people are, are tuning into them. Yeah. I, I found meditation relatively later in life. I mean, I guess for me later in life, but, um, it was really only for me when I started doing it on a daily basis, like I wouldn't miss a day that I truly can say, that I saw the, the the massive impact of it. Uh, before that, I was I was like the dabbler, you know, like I would do like three times a week, four yeah. times a week, things like that. I always tell people, you know, if you ate a salad three, four times a week and ate shit the rest of the time, that's not really a healthy diet. It's not going to do much for you. You can say like you check the box that I ate a salad, but it's not really making a difference in your life. But I feel the same way about meditation. Oh, I hear you on that, and I was the same way where it was like, okay, like I'll sit occasionally, or like I'll listen to this guided meditation on the subway. But it wasn't until it became a daily practice that there were like seismic shifts. Yes. Yes. So we did this, um, we do like a 30 day challenge. We have a product that we call primary productivity and we, we take people through a 30 day challenge. And, and my challenge is this, like for five minutes, whatever you can spare, like five minutes in the morning, but I tell them in the morning, cause it's kind of difficult to do later on in the day. Set your alarm early, like 10 minutes, meditate five minutes a day. You do it for straight 30 days. After 30 days, what ends up happening is like somewhere between day 30 and day 45, someone eventually misses a day. It's like, oh, I did so great. Like, "Ah, I can miss a day. You know, they do one of those. And then I'm like, and just notice. And this is what they all come back. They say, I went out. I I came home and I was like, man, that day was like shitty. I'm like, what was different? I didn't meditate today. And that's it. Like once you have that experience – because when you meditate for 30 straight days, it's difficult to quantifiably say like, oh, I feel this or I feel that. But when it's not there, it's very easy to quantify it. Like that day you're going to be short with people. Things are going to piss you off a lot more. All that stuff happens. And you're like, oh, that stuff really works. <laughs> totally. Have you ever missed a meditation like since being a consistent meditator? mm so I have, and it was actually pretty recently where I had like, um, had like a 6 a.m. flight and set my alarm for like four o'clock or three 30, whatever it was. And was just like, you know, fumbling around in the dark, kind of panicked and like just running out the door. And then it was around noon. Like after I'd landed, I'd be, I was like, why am I like so grumpy? Like, why am I so short? Like, why does everything feel so foggy? And I was like, Oh, I didn't meditate. Yeah. It's so funny because I've gone all these years with meditating and I was just like in that moment of just like go, probably like a fight or flight, no pun intended. And <laughs> it made such a difference. And I was like, that is it. But it's this aha moment when you're like, ooh. And it's the same with like eating unhealthy too, right? Same. You feel so clean and so clear. And then that one day you're like, no, never again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have to say some of my favorite meditations are on planes there's something about the hum of the engines and the vibration, like face mask on, uh, earbuds in. And I actually have on my phone as a sound, like the background sound of a noisy airplane. I'll put that while on the plane. So it's like noisy airplane sound in my ear plus noisy airplane sound like in, 
I, I mean, I was flying back from San Diego the other day. Now, granted, like there are times where I'll fall asleep or whatever happens, but man, do you go, like, I go so deep on those meditations. My son was sitting next to me and he happened to like touch my arm. You know that feeling when like something, you hear a sound or someone touches you and you're so deep that it almost feels like you're coming out through like, you're like, you're like feet under the earth. And it just feels like this, you're coming through the, until you like figure out that someone's actually touching your arm in like this plane. It was that experience. And I was like, whoa. That's amazing. Have you heard of, you probably heard of this, obviously. Have you heard of uh, binaural beats? Yes. Yes. So I wonder if it's similar to that where the frequency of the airplane noise is, you know, working with your brain waves and you're having this. It could be. It could be. Typically when I'm home, I actually listen to uh, theta waves, like uh, the binaural theta waves, which I find really, really help. But yeah, on the plane, man, it is just, woo. Every time I get on a plane, I get so excited. I'm like, ooh, deep meditation. <laughs> so um, I'm a Vedic meditator, and my teacher in Vedic meditation, he advised us whenever you're you're flying on an airplane to meditate extra that day. So meditate as you're taking off, meditate as you're landing, because the flying experience is um, really stressful on the body and our physiology in general. And so it's this other additional opportunity to restore. So it's so interesting that your body just intuitively goes to that place. Oh my God. It loves it. Like <laughs> it, it just, it's so funny. I, I did this. The first time I actually did this was, um, I was doing, um, transcendental meditation as a practice mm-hmm. and I happened to fly and I did it. Like it was the first time I actually meditated on a plane. And I, I was out for like an hour and 45 minutes. Whoa. And when I came back, I was like, I know I wasn't sleeping, but I also know I wasn't here. And so I just, it was really profound. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then it's literally happened every time. I, I have not meditated for under an hour on a plane yet. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. So anyway, deep down the meditation hole. Um, so back, back to, um, back to what you do. So People come to you because they're in that like I, I love that you said like a deep, I would almost say like uncovered, unspoken about depression. Yeah. Um, walk me through a little bit of the process that you take people through so people get an idea of like the kind of work that you do. Yeah. So it really depends where each individual is at, right? Because everyone's in a really different place on their journey. And so my curriculum is a five-month curriculum and we do go through mind, body, and business. And sometimes it's, we have to start with body. Sometimes we start with mind. Sometimes we start with business. It really depends where they are. Um, And, you know, I do have a set of tools that I've created specific to this curriculum, but I do meet people where they are. So there might be moments where somebody needs something that, you know, isn't off the shelf. And so I have to create something custom for them. And um, for all of my clients too, I actually do create custom guided meditations for particular challenges that they're working through to take that into their everyday. Uh, and that's those moments that we have those, those, those profound level of clarity too, right? So much of the work that we do, you and I, it's, yes, it's the one-on-one, but it's also the work that they take home with them and that they're doing in their daily practice. And what you were saying about theta waves before too, so like getting our brain to go from the beta to the theta or to the alpha, we get these profound ahas. And so I really encourage meditation as a tool not to go back down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we love really, meditation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is a conduit to clarity in the same way that eating well is. You're really able to see you know, what you can't see in your conscious day-to-day your conscious mind. And so that has been such a profound and huge tool um, 
for my clients. But I'd like to say that my work is equal parts magical and practical. So we're going to do the meditation. We're going to do the spiritual work, but we're also going to dig in and we're going to have 90 day roadmaps and we're going to have business plans and we're going to put pen to paper. Yeah. You know what I love? And, and I love that you answered it that way. We really are like so in sync when people tell me, you know, what, what's this. So we have like our Ascension program, which is our year long program. They're like, okay, well, what, you know, what tool I love when people are like, well, what technique do you use? I'm like, well, if I told, if, if I told you one technique, would that get you more excited than if I told you another technique? Like, what does it matter? Like, it just boggles my mind. And I love that you started by saying like every person is unique. I get that we all ultimately kind of want the same thing, right? Like I would say that at the end of it all, what I've noticed is people are looking for, I'm going to call it just a state of well-being, Mm -hmm. but inside of that state of well-being, really what human beings look for is love, connection, and peace. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to change So someone's like, okay, I don't like my job. I want to find something. Why? Why do you want to find it? You you said that in the beginning of the why. It's like, I want to find something that lights me up, something that I love, something that will make me happy right? Like we just all look for that. And for those that want to make a difference, what are you looking for? You're looking for connection with other people where you feel like there is that connection, not only to you, but like to the the greater thing. And so I love that even though we all want that, right? It's like each person, the way they get access to that capacity is always different because you don't know what is the immediate layer that's in the way for them to kind of see that next piece. And whenever, whenever someone tells me like, well, we go through these, you know, five questions and this thing, I'm like, I just, I kind of like, look, I know certain stuff works. I, I really do. And I'm not knocking any of it. I just think like people that have been doing this for a long time, there's a sense, there's a felt, like you said, there's magic. You mm-hmm. get on the call with someone and for that day, a question will just come through and you'll pop it up. And they're just like, they get that look in their face, they're shell shocked, their eyes, and then they might even cry. And you're like, yep, that was, you know, that was the thing. But that's not what I would have asked the guy a week ago or some other three people. It was just like for you, that would, that came through for you. I love that you said that because it's so funny. I even have to overcome my own programming sometimes like when I'm going into sessions. So like, I love to powerfully prepare for all of my sessions and my clients and my workshops. And then sometimes I'll come into sessions and I will throw out all of that preparation because I'm intuiting that I need to go somewhere else with someone, right? Something else is coming through and I need to serve and show up in a different way. And it's just so interesting because we think we need these tools and these frameworks. And I was so big. I'm like, what are my tools? What are my frameworks? What's my methodology? And yes, I have all that. And that's important to a certain degree, but you have to know where to meet people and where to go. And I love that you said that. Well, that, it's so kindred it, spirits. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's interesting that you said it because... I'll, I'll, I'll share with you guys like a really funny story. So uh, Guy and I had put on our uh, second live event, which was a, a larger event. We did it in San Diego. And right afterwards, we started working with one, with a teacher. And she happened to be in San Diego. So she came to the event. She also came to uh, – we had like a one-day kind of like get to know each other, you know, powwow thing. And I had spent weeks putting on, you know, like beautiful uh, slides and – all of this stuff for the event. Like it was really, really beautiful. Wrote the whole script and all that stuff. And by day two, we, for all intents and purposes, kind of like throughout most, like not 90% of it. Cause just whatever was created in the room between like day one and the morning session 
it was like a transformational fucking vortex. It, like people did I don't know if you've ever been in a vortex where it's like people, you, you, you feel like a weird sense of kind of floating. No one knew what time of day it was. Like time just stopped. It, it, and it was, you're talking like 60 people in the room. You know, this is not like one person's experience. And so we're kind of laughing and sharing about all this stuff. And, and we were talking about the next event. And I was saying, yeah, you know, this was really like putting all these slides and that whole thing was, was not fun. And she goes, she doesn't even miss a beat. This is like the first time we've, we've had a session. She goes, where don't you trust yourself? Mm. And I'm like, no joke. This is my reaction in my head. I was like, bitch, you fucking crazy. What are you talking about? I don't trust myself. <laughs> like that, that, that's what was happening in my head. Like, do you know the work that I've done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to sit with that. And so over time, what I started to realize is that this whole notion of being prepared mm-hmm. comes from a part that believes that it doesn't know what's coming, right? So it's, it doesn't trust that if something shows up, that it won't be like that little boy or girl that's like, well, I'm not going to be ready. Like if there's a pop quiz, I'm not going to be ready. Like that little boy or girl. Totally. And when I started to play with that, I was like, okay. What's really interesting when you let go of the preparedness and you live in alignment and you're in the present moment and you give up all that other stuff, the agenda, the, the, all of it, right? There, the no plan plan, mm-hmm. you actually allow for whatever is most necessary in the moment to arise. But for a lot of people, they don't have that trust in themselves. So mm-hmm. it's really good to rely on this format or that format or ask these questions or take people through this process or that process. And when I started to play with that, what I can tell you guys from my experience is like slowing down and being in the present moment and being there with that other person, even if it's virtual, allows for magic to show up in ways that I never dreamed possible. And being okay with those like silent moments and being okay. Like I don't have to show up a certain way and I don't have to sound a certain way and it doesn't have to go like giving all of that up allows for, I mean, just, I I go up on stages today and I don't, I don't have any clue really. Like I don't do slides anymore. I don't even have a script. I don't do anything anymore. I just show up and I allow the space to kind of feed what gets to be served and it's so rewarding scary as fuck when in the beginning like really i mean you know all the little voices are like what are you doing this is crazy how are you gonna do that yeah yeah and and it's really really beautiful to to experience i wish that i could snap loud because like i want to snap so hard that is what you just said is so profound and incredible because and it's perfectly true, right? When we feel like we have to prepare, over-prepare, we're coming from that space of ego, right? I'm not enough as I am and I have to build all these things around me versus showing up and being the conduit and allowing things to come through you. And I think it's always like such a beautiful reminder and this is for me too, so much, to come out of the performance. We don't need to be prepared. Come out of ego. This is about you being able to meet the client or the audience wherever they are and being what they need in that moment. And the only way to do that is by being present and not being in that performance. That is so huge. Um, A teacher of mine last year gave me the homework of being messy. 
she was like, given your background and, you know, I, I had a career in marketing. I can totally see that being great homework for you. Totally. Totally. I call myself a performed perfectionist. And at first I was so panicked. I was like, what do you mean be messy? She's like, get on the Instagram lives and get on stories, like, you know, fresh out of bed before you're worked out and brushed your teeth and like no slides, no talk track, like just go. And I was like, this is the worst. And it was the best. It was the best cracking open. And I was just so... I think what's incredible what you said is that every time you prove to yourself, not that you needed proof, but that you could rise to the occasion and that you are enough as you are. And that's, that's what I got to. It was yeah. beautiful. There, there's this other thing that you just reminded me of. It's like, there's, I'm going to really, really simplify this just for the sake of this uh, context, but there's two voices, right? That there's like the ego mind voice and then there's the heart. I'm going to call it like your soul speaking, your heart, your intuitive guidance, like all that stuff. The head is very, very loud. And so most people don't even know that they have this other system and this other voice because the head is really, really loud. What I have found is that in these moments of allowing the other voice to come through, which is more subtle. It, it, it's sometimes it's, it comes in visions and sometimes it comes in auditory and sometimes it just comes in this like flash of a feeling. Mm. Um, the more I've tapped into that and the more I listen, the more it guides. And so, whereas before, when you're like so prepared, you don't even allow yourself to listen to that. Mm-hmm. because what you're doing is like, okay, so this is what I got to cover today. And then you know, you'll see people go like, they have that moment of like, Oh fuck, I got to go back. Cause I forgot that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, I missed the beat, and now the whole thing's ruined. And yeah. yes, because, and then this gets like super loud. So now you have no access to anything else. Right. And you're speaking so much from the mind, which I get works for a lot of people. But when I started to experiment, like actually speaking from the heart and hearing from the heart and noticing how that impacts people. I got off a stage one time and this girl came up to me and she goes, she goes, who, I mean, what are you? Like, it was like that. And, and at that moment, yeah, and at that moment I, I, I got it. I was like, wow, that works. And I could put aside whatever, whatever comes up, right. Gets to be there, all the stuff and the chatter and like, what do they think? And what about this? And that all gets to be there. That's not like bad. I don't have to. And I just keep dropping in and dropping in and dropping in and, and, and being from there. It's just this evolving, gorgeous thing that just keeps coming through. And like, the more I listen, the more amazing stuff comes through. And I'm like, wow, this is just really cool. And I know I'm still just scratching the surface because I work with people who are just you know, tapped into that place all the time. And I'm like, man, it's such a gift. Such a gift. Did you ever see, I love that story that you shared too about when you came off stage and they're just like, what are you? Yeah. You're showing up and you're channeling in a way that people aren't used to being on the receiving end. Right. So, so profound. Um, did you ever see Gabby Bernstein's TEDx talk? Yeah, I read her book, but I don't know that I've ever seen this TEDx talk. 
So it's interesting. It's very similar to what we're talking about. She talked about how, because her work is about surrender. And she, you know, was preparing for her TED Talk. She's preparing, she's preparing. She hires the speech. You know, it's the tight 11 minutes and she's, you know, going through the run through and she's in the space and like, it's timed down beautifully. She's got her talk track and her stories. And then the morning of, she woke up and she was like, what am I doing? Like, literally this feels terrible. This feels so the opposite of the work that I'm teaching. Like she's teaching surrender and she's going up there in a performance. And so she literally went on stage and just did her thing for 11 minutes. And it was so cool. And she talked about this moment about how she realized that she was in this performance and that's not what she's here to teach or who she's here to be and embody. And I was like, that is brave and incredible and so powerful. It's like one of my favorites because it's so powerful. Wow. I got chills. (laughs) Wow. That... See, so here's what came up. This is really interesting, right? So what I noticed as you're telling the story, and this is like the next layer, right? We talked about all these layers. So that to, right now in my system, that that shot my system in the complete and utter freak out mode. I was like, are you out of your mind? How do you show up on TEDx not being prepared? And blah, like, that's literally what came up after everything that I just said. Oh, and that's what I find so beautiful. It's like, what's the next edge? What's the next edge? Yeah. What's the next edge? And what, what I just got clear about was like, I'm okay doing that here yep. and at my events, but not on a TEDx stage. Elon, I can't wait for you to do that on a TEDx stage. Yeah, I know. That's your edge. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> wow. That was so powerful. It literally, the second you said it, I was like, no, she didn't. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. I was watching it like in total awe, like, you go girl. Like, what? Oh, that's so good. But I love what you said too. We are never done. We have never arrived. We are never done peeling back the layers. We are never done. And yeah. it, that's what's so fun. Yeah. We, uh, we have a program that's a 100-day program. It's like a finite program. And I always tell people, that we, we meet with them at the beginning and at the end, and like uh, we have coaches that, that run it. And so I always say it, like we start the last session and I'm like, out of curiosity, how many of you guys signed up for this course and thought that at the end of a hundred days, your entire life would be figured out, right? Like, like, and and they just laugh because they do, right? Like at at some point you, you sign up with someone, you're like, I'm going to work with someone. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to do that. And you're like, this is going to fix everything. Everything, everything. (laughs) <laughs> and then, godlike wait for yeah, it <laughs> exactly exactly i'm like hey hey just just an fyi i've personally been doing this work for 16 years i still don't got shit figured out so right. like, what are you doing in 100 days you know totally. oh so funny one of the coaches that I worked with a few years ago, we, we had a get together recently and we really laughed hard about this because in my questionnaire to her, she was, you know, what do you want to work on and where are you? And, and basically the gist of what I had said was, I've done so much work. I'm in such a great place. I need this tiny tweak. So I know that your coaching program is X amount of days, but like, I just need a little bit because like, I'm pretty much there. So ridiculous. So ridiculous. And without judgment, but just, I think so funny. And we just like had such a good giggle over it. And you know what? Not only did I do that one program, I did it twice because I needed it twice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting like to notice. So I started asking myself these questions like what part. So let, let me back up a step. There's the voice in our heads, right? That everyone talks about the voice in our heads. What I've started to play with is that it's not just one voice. There's 
all of these different parts that got trapped in time. So you have X amount of traumas, hundreds of traumas throughout your uh, formative years, right? And when that trauma occurs, that little girl for you, the little boy for me, gets trapped in that moment in time. Now, when things show up like that trauma in your current event, that's the voice that comes through. Now, most people, like even if you you know that there's a voice that's separate from you, that's already like a huge win for a lot of people. Now we started to take this work like deeper and deeper and deeper. And so when things like that happen, right? And you write something like that, like, oh, I just need this little thing. I, I started asking myself questions like, what part did that? Mm. not 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 like the the what thing but like what part because that part of me is the part that I've been avoiding it's the part that hasn't been given love or hasn't been given tension or hasn't been given uh support and that they're just that's all they're looking for they're these little kids that just want our attention want our support and when you start to do that you know I, I have two kids I just posted a video about this the other day like Kids know how to push buttons. I mean, they're your greatest teachers. It just, it, it's amazing. And whereas before I used to get really upset because the conversation was like, why are they doing this? Or why are they being this way? Now it's like, okay, what part of me got triggered? Like, what was that little boy or girl? And so the other day they had done we, we had this kind of like crazy rough morning and I realized that the part in me was the part that you're avoiding me. It was like, you're not listening. You're not paying attention to me. Wow. So instead of dealing with them and being like, this is what we need to change. I just realized like they highlighted for me, the little part, the little boy that feels like he's not getting attention. So that has nothing to do with them. That means that I get to, in my meditation practice, go in and give that part love and let him know that I'm always here and I'm always listening. And I'm, and when you heal those parts, when a kid doesn't get attention, what do they do? They will figure out a way to get attention, right? And the pulling at your pan leg, breaking shit, getting really loud, etc. Like they don't care. They just want your attention. When you give them attention and they feel love and they feel supported and they feel accepted, they don't have to do any of those stuff, any of those things. So they don't do them. And so, yeah, when you, when you said that you wrote that part, I'm like, I'm curious, like what part wrote that down? For sure. Oh, that's such a profound question. And I'm definitely going to take that into my journal practice tonight. But, you know, what's coming through immediately is that it's tied to that perfectionism. And as much as I have shed that shell, there's still a piece that's like, I can only need a little bit of help. I'm, I'm mostly okay by myself. I've got this together. I've I have this perfect exterior, this perfect veneer. And, you know, I want everything to look like I've got it together, even if I don't got it together. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Yeah. I'm curious as, as, cause I know like as a coach, you know, we always bring into our existence and our, our world perfect mirrors. It's like, you'll coach somebody and be like, wow, I should really listen to this. This is really good. <laughs> on a daily basis. On a daily basis. I'm like, wow, this mirroring thing is true. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be coaching someone and I'll be like, write that down. Yep. Go yeah, back exactly. to that one. Note to self. <laughs> Um, have you found that in your work, you actually attract a lot of uh, perfectionists? 
One hundred percent. Yeah. The, the reformed perfectionist, or somebody that's still in the perfectionistic behaviors, and then the a lot of the times the person who can do it all, right? The won't ask for help, can carry it all, and is literally teetering on the the point of burnout or illness or disease. And the the two go hand in hand, right? The idea of like, I can do it all. I don't need help is tied to the perfectionism. And so those are, I get those daily beautiful mirrors every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Little little reminders of that beautiful girl inside. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Every time, every time someone hears, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like as human beings, we just are like, okay, I'd be great if only I didn't have this thing. Mm. Right. Like, like I'd be awesome. Just minus that little thing. And I was talking to someone earlier today and he pointed something out and I said, okay, let me just remind you something. That part, that's the greatest gift that you have. And it kind of like, like, what do you mean? But I'm trying to get rid of this thing. I'm like, how's that working? Yeah, totally. (laughs) We're working. Totally. It really is just all about integration and bringing it into the whole. And yeah, it's such a, such a fun, fun ride. Um, I'm going to, what, I have a feeling you read some really good books. What, uh, is there anything you read in 2018 that you highly recommend? So one of the books that just came to mind because you were talking about all the little, you know, inner childs and the wounds. One of my favorite books of all time is The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Have you yes, read Betty Ford. Oh, yeah. Debbie Ford. Debbie Ford. So basically she takes Carl Jung's shadow work and, you know, brings it to the masses and it's just incredible, incredible work. Um, and that's my required reading for part of my, uh, my coursework. Cause I think that's it's awesome. so incredible. Um, so I actually lost my grandpa last year and he was one of my primary caretakers and one of my biggest heroes and we had a very special bond. And so I let, read a lot of books on resilience. Um, so I can definitely share some for you to share in the show notes because they're not coming Please. to mind right now. Yeah. Um, but those were beautiful and very, very helpful. I'm reading Joe Dispenza's book right now, How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself. And that's his best it. one. Oh, so good. That's so his good. best one. He's, they're all good, but I feel like that's the most, for him, practical because he's yeah. like very sciencey. I feel like that one he just nailed like the practical side too. Totally. So I read Becoming, I'm looking at my book, right? My book stack right now. So I read Becoming Supernatural last year and I, this one is way more resonant with me. And then I'm also reading a book about emotional, it's called Emotional Agility. And that one is also about resilience. Really great book too. Okay. And then obviously I love You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Just great. I just downloaded that. I haven't, I haven't tapped into yet. Oh, it's great. Oh, there's another one that reminds me of that that I also really like too. It's called Unfuck Yourself. And it's very much like you are a badass, just a really direct, like, here's what you need to do. Come out of your core limiting beliefs type of. (laughs) Fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What are you working on for 2019? Personally or professionally? Uh, However you heard it and whatever you want to share. Okay, great. Professionally, I'm working on launching a new corporate program called Total Transformation. It's mindset training for business growth. And the idea is to create really juicy programming on an annual basis that supports organizations in creating Thrive Culture. And that's a cause that's really near and dear to me, and it touches on many different buckets and really supports my bigger, juicier mission of equality, too. Nice. Um, 
Thanks. And then on a personal front, I'm just working on, not just, I am working on deepening my relationship with my husband. He's an incredible human and I'm very lucky to uh, partner with him on this journey called life and deepening my relationships with family and friends. And one training that I want to do this year is on somatics. And we talked a little bit about subtle body, but deepening my work there too. Yeah. So great. How long have you guys been married? We've been married for three and a half years. Awesome. Have you ever heard of a book called The Conscious Heart? No. Yeah, that'd be a great one. Uh, is, is he into this work and like, does he read and stuff like that? Tangentially. So yeah, okay. <laughs> you picked up a lot of stuff by osmosis. <laughs> yeah, same. So um, there's a couple of books that, that uh, Conscious Heart is beautiful. It's by a couple who uh, are married, but they found each other late, later on in life. And um, they both actually studied human behavior and relationships mm. and stuff like that and then found each other. And it was just like soulmate, instant connection. Wow. And then this journey writing just amazing stuff. Really... Um, raw, beautiful, like deep, not, not that like bullshit. Like you should talk to your husband. Not like that. Like just really get, I mean, it gets okay. there. conscious heart. I love this. Conscious heart. On? Yeah. And then the other one, which I haven't gone all the way through, uh, but is also very brilliant and it's great to do with a partner mm-hmm. is called the presence process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is by Michael Brown. The first one is by gay and What's her name? Hendrix is their last name. Oh, oh my gosh. Wait, he wrote um, The Big Leap, Gay Hendrix. Yes, Gay Hendrix. So yeah, I love, that's one of my all-time favorite books. Definitely. So I haven't read that. I'm going to add that to my list. Yeah, so they, they wrote a book together, and it's, it's just awesome. So in The Big Leap, Gay Hendrix says that the way to not have conflict with anybody and particularly in his marriage is to always arrive at every conversation being like, it was all my fault. Like I was wrong, like accepting who you are wholly and completely. And he was like, my wife and I, since we started doing that have not had an argument in 30 years. So I am already sold on this book. Yes. So the, the beauty of that book, it's both of them and they're communicating like back and forth, back and forth through the book and sharing. It's, it's, it's a good one. Okay. Um, that's brilliant. I love all that stuff that you're working on. And um, yeah, I, I wish you the best in 2019. I know you're going to be doing amazing things. And uh, more than anything, that you just keep shining that light and uh, waking people up, whether it's in the corporate world or in the personal world, and just uh, sharing your goodness with the world and, and let that create this massive, massive wave and ripples in our collective consciousness. Oh, I received that. Thank you so much. And right back at you, my very dear new friend, just everything that you say and everything that you be is just so inspiring. And I feel so blessed to have been able to connect in this way and just right back at you. Please keep sharing. Please keep being because it's profound and it's creating seismic shifts that we really need. Mm, Thank you. So how do people find out more about you, your work? Where can they connect with you? Great question. So you can visit my website at aminaaltai.com and the spelling will be in the show notes, I'm sure. <laughs> and also Instagram at aminaaltai.com. And through Instagram, you can actually um, get a free module from one of my digital courses, which is really helpful for emerging entrepreneurs who want to start a business but aren't sure exactly what they want to do. Well, that's very cool. I like that. That's very, very cool. Um, yeah. If you wanted to 
share that with the audience, like with a, a separate link, and you want us to leave that in the show notes, uh, if they don't go to Instagram, then yeah, share that as well. Uh, I'm gonna, it was such a pleasure. I mean, every time we speak, it's just like vibrationally just beautiful and powerful. And uh, yeah, thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom with our audience. Thank you so much. I do think we were in the vortex. I literally have no concept of time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So uh, guys, we'll leave all the the notes with the books and all that stuff in the show notes for you. If you guys uh, have any comments or questions, either for myself or Amina, please, you can just email me directly, elon at satoriprime.com. And otherwise, we will see you on the next podcast. Have an amazing day, everyone. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. Like I said, you can even try it for free for the next 14 days. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time. 